Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. Welcome and thank you for tuning in today. God bless you. I'm so delighted that you chose to join in. Today we are going to conclude our series on Leviticus, Grace, and the Church in the sense that we've been looking at the basic offerings that are found in the book of Leviticus. And in the first several lessons, we looked at each one of the five basic offerings found in Leviticus chapter 1 through 6. We discussed how those tie with the offerings in the New Testament that we bring or that Jesus has fulfilled for us. Jesus has fulfilled for us the sin offering and the trespass or guilt offering. And when he washes us free of all of our sins, he removes the guilt and shame of them and washes them away forever. And Jesus is the sin and trespass offering for us in our place. So we do not offer those things anymore. We bring our sins to him on a daily basis, confessing them and forsaking them, asking for his continual cleansing as we mess up. But praise be to God for salvation in Jesus Christ. We looked at the other three that are voluntary sweet-smelling sacrificial offerings in that they're given from sincere hearts of love. And we looked at what those mean. So today, as we close out, I want to do what I'm in essence calling a bonus lesson in the sense that it's not part of the five basic offerings, but it is another major offering found in the book of Leviticus. And it is the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. It's not offered daily like the five basic offerings that we studied earlier but rather this was a solemn offering offered once per year in that day. It was only done and could only be done once a year. It was only offered by Aaron and his sons, the high priest. It was the most solemn of all the Jewish offerings, and it still is to this day of all the feasts of the Lord. Now, I have a series on the Feast of the Lord, and I've covered this in that as well, in a little more detail, perhaps, than what we'll get into here. But I want us to look at Leviticus chapter 23. In Leviticus chapter 23, we find the summary of all of the Feasts of the Lord. And then in other places, they give us more of the details in depth about the various feasts, how they're celebrated, the prescription for the various offerings, etc. And so in today's lesson, I want us to just look at the basic summary of this feast first, and then we may get into a few of the more specifics. We'll definitely talk about them, whether we read the scriptures or not for the sake of time. In Leviticus chapter 23, beginning in verse 26, it says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, also the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. You shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. 
For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls. On the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. The details for more of this is given in Leviticus chapter 16, where we see the instructions and the prescriptions. But we see it here in summary form. It's a day to afflict your souls, meaning it's a day of fasting. It's a day of solemn rest. It was to be a Sabbath day. They could not work on this particular day. It was to be celebrated solemnly. It was to be a day of solemn remembrance because it was for the purpose of atonement. It's also known to the Jewish people as Yom Kippur or the day of the covering, the day of atonement. The root word means to cover or to expiate, to placate, or to cancel. On this day, certain prescriptions had to be done properly in order for God to grant the temporary atonement for that year to cover the people of Israel's sins. All of this is pointing to Yeshua and his fulfillment of this feast because he is the only atoning sacrifice as a matter of fact, he is the once-for-all atoning sacrifice, according to the book of Hebrews. I encourage you to read that book. And we have a study on the book of Hebrews, if you'd like to look it up. It's called Bridge to Excellence. Jesus is the only one who can expiate for us. He's the only one who can placate the wrath of God on our behalf by satisfying it. He's the only one who can cancel our debt of sin by paying it himself. And he did so when he cried out from the cross, it is finished. One rendition of that in its translation can be understood to mean paid in full. He paid the ransom for us in order to allow us to be granted and declared righteous by God with our debt canceled, paid in full. This sacrifice was once for all, and it was done at the cross for all people, for the church, but also in time to come for the nation of Israel. God is fulfilling the day of atonement on behalf of his people. And I believe that it has a prophetic fulfillment his death was done at the cross nearly 2,000 years ago. But at his second coming, it will be the final fulfillment of the Day of Atonement when all of Israel at that time will be saved. This Day of Atonement was to be held on the 10th day of the seventh month, which is also the last day of the 10 days of awe. Between the Feast of Trumpets, there would be 10 days of awe and then the Day of Atonement. It had several names it was known by. It was called Face to Face also. It was called the Day or the Great Day. It was also known, according to Acts chapter 27, verse 9, as the Fast. 
It was the only mandated fast day by God in the Feast of the Lord that he gave in Leviticus chapter 23. There are other days and other festivals that the Jews have added to their calendar in which they fast. But the only biblically mandated fast day was the Day of Atonement. It's also known as the Great Shofar or Shofar Hagadol. And it's also known as Nila. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. The closing of the gates. One other note is that the Jubilee year would always be proclaimed on the Day of Atonement. And lastly, they would read Isaiah 58 on the Day of Atonement too, which speaks of the kind of fast that God really approves of. I do want us to look at Leviticus chapter 16, and I want us to read verses 1 through 10. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with a linen turban. He shall be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one, as a, one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Now I want to stop right there and speak about these few verses for a moment. The backstory is that this, if you read Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, you will read about how after Aaron was consecrated and his sons to serve as high priest in the priesthood, that his two sons were very irreverent and impetuous, presumptuous, and careless. And so they, they just went ahead and took it upon themselves to think that they could approach the holy God in any way at any time they wanted, and they just grabbed and went ahead and did things without the Holy Spirit leading them, without God's instruction. They did not awe God, and they did not take Him or His calling on their lives seriously, but they rather acted impetuously and ran in with what God called strange fire. And God struck them dead because He was teaching Aaron, and He said so in Leviticus chapter 10. All who approach me, I must be considered holy. In order to approach our God, even in Christ, even in Christ, we must recognize his holiness 
and that he is to be awed and he is to be revered. So now God institutes and instructs the exact procedure that he wants them to follow from this point forward for entering the most holy place into the very presence of God. Now we must remember the book of Leviticus, its purpose is to show us how to worship and draw near to God the right way. Remember Korban from the very first lesson of this series tells us how to draw near to God. That's what these offerings were for. And so here the purpose is to see that we have to approach him in the way that his holiness demands and commands with reverence, with respect, with appreciation, and with humility. Aaron was to enter with blood. It's by the blood. The sin offering was the recognition of our sins and our need for atonement. We've already seen that. This was taken care of by Jesus at the cross. I encourage you to look up Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 through 22, because it talks about how it's by the blood of Jesus that was once for all offered on the altar of the cross that has sanctified us and has granted us access by the new and living way. Praise be to God. This offering also included the burnt offering, a whole self-surrender to God. Jesus fulfilled both. He was the sin offering and he was the burnt offering on our behalf. We've talked about the burnt offering and how Romans 12.1 tells us how we now offer burnt offerings by offering our whole self in surrender to the Lord. Aaron's garments, notice this because many people get this point slightly off. They're not aware and haven't studied well enough to recognize what they, what Aaron could wear and what Aaron could not wear on the Day of Atonement. And many people have it backwards. The garments, according to this instruction in Leviticus chapter 16, that Aaron was to wear was only the white linen garments. Now, that may not mean a lot to you unless you understand all of the different garments of the priesthood there. I do have a series, if the Lord wills, I will try to put on these podcast channels for you called Garments of Glory. And in there you will learn, and in the reading of scripture you will learn that there were white linen garments that all priests had to wear. There were four of those. And then there were four additional garments for the high priest or for the sons of Aaron, Aaron and his sons. Those they could only wear at certain times and, and it was only for those priests to wear. In this passage, for the Day of Atonement, Aaron could not wear those. He could not wear those into the high holy place with God into the most holy. He could only wear the white linen. And I believe there's reasons for that. I believe that the white linen garments signify purity and humility. There's no adornment. There's no beauty of their own. There's none of the bells and pomegranates like the high priest robe had. They had to come plainly, plainly with no decoration and nothing added. No decoration, no added beauty. He was not allowed to wear the golden garments 
including the high priest's robe with the bells on the bottom. So if you've heard that he would wear that so that if he was struck down, they could pull him out with the rope on his feet, blah, blah, blah. That's not true on the Day of Atonement. The Lord did say that that would be true when he served in the holy place. That was not true on the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, he could only wear the pure white linen garments, no adornment in addition to those. He had to come humbly and sincerely. There were additional sacrificial animals that would be used here. And it's very important to understand Christ's fulfillment of these also. There were two goats that had to be used and a ram for the burnt offering. The ram also pictured Jesus with the crown of thorns at the cross, who was our burnt offering. As we mentioned, he fulfilled both the sin offering and the burnt offering for the Day of Atonement as well. There was one goat for the Lord, picturing Christ's death as our sin offering, atoning for the sin of the whole world. And then there was one goat for Azalel, or the scapegoat. And it would be the one that they would signify with the entire removal. It was called the goat of departure. It was the goat that would go away and disappear. Aaron also had to offer a bull for himself and his household. And that bull, he would take the censer, mix it with incense, place it on the golden altar of incense, and that would create a sweet-smelling smoke before the Lord. Jesus offered himself for his household. He didn't offer himself for himself because he had no sin in himself, but he offered himself also in this way for all of his household. In other words, all of his church body, all of us. And he took his own blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. They had to sprinkle it seven times in the Old Testament before the mercy seat. Jesus shed blood from seven portions of his body. God is serious about his oath and the promise that he's made and fulfilling it to the nth detail. Then there was the first goat for the Lord that was killed on behalf of the people. They had to take the blood of this goat and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, just like the other. And when this was done, he had to be alone in there. No one else could be inside the tabernacle with him. This was to make atonement because of the uncleanness of the people and their sins. Jesus fulfilled this on his death on the cross, where he atoned for our sins, the sins of the whole world. He took our sins upon himself, and then his blood was placed on the mercy seat in heaven. Lastly, the second goat was the goat for Azalel, or the goat of departure, the goat of removing and going away. Aaron would put his hand on this goat, transferring the sin of the people to it, and appoint a suitable man who would then take it out into the wilderness, send it out. And they would send the goat that was signifying the removal of the sins and guilt all the way into the wilderness to some uninhabited land and release it there, never to be seen again, gone permanently. Now that's a difficult one to understand, and it can be signifying it can be representative of three different things, and I don't want to get into that other than possibly mentioning it. But first, let's look at the summary about this feast. 
It had to be done on the seventh day, the tenth day of the month. They had to fast on that day. It was mandated. It was a high Sabbath day. Whatever day of the week it, what it fell on, they could not do any work at all. And the purpose was for atonement and cleansing from sin. It was a day of cancellation of the dead of sin and of washing them pure and clean from their sins. The Day of Atonement speaks of the judgment and atonement for sin. Let's look at a few things concerning that. First, let's look at the requirement for atonement and how it is the blood of Jesus, represented by the blood of those innocent animals in the Old Testament days. In Hebrews chapter 9, I want to begin the reading of verse 6 and read through 15. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone, once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiness of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Jesus is the fulfillment of the day of atonement on the cross when he shed his blood to cover our sins. And in doing that, his blood was placed on the mercy seat before the Almighty God, and our sins were taken care of, washed away by his blood when we repent of him and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has obtained for us eternal redemption. Jesus, according to Paul in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, is our mercy seat. He is our propitiation. He is the only one that can expiate for us. He's the only one that can cancel our debt because he died in our place. 
His innocent blood had to be shed for the remission of our sins. He is the righteous one, the innocent one who willingly died in place of the guilty. And his innocent blood is the only blood that could atone for the sin of the whole world. One time, once for all. Praise be to God. So when Christ died then, he died once for all with his own blood obtaining for us eternal redemption, eternal atonement, not just to cover sins for a year, but to wash away our sins forever. Jesus filled to the full the requirement of the blood. The blood had to be spilled at the altar of burnt offering, representing the cross where Jesus offered himself and shed his blood for us. Then the priest would take the blood into the most holy place and apply it to the mercy seat in heaven. Jesus has done this on our behalf, and his blood is applied to us. His blood is the only blood applied to the mercy seat that covers and atones for all sin. In the Old Testament, this atonement had to be repeated year after year after year. And they could only do it one day a year. And only one person, the high priest, could come before the Lord at the mercy seat in the very presence of God in the most holy place. Now, at Jesus' death, that veil was torn into. That wall of separation that had existed in the temple all the way from way back in the tabernacle of Moses' days, that wall was now torn into from top to bottom, rent into by the Lord, signifying that there is now a new and living way through the blood of Jesus that we can draw near to God, that we can do what the Korban offerings of Leviticus taught us about, that we can come and draw near to the living God, worshiping him and calling upon him. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. The day of atonement has a final fulfillment when Jesus comes because it was not only for our sin in the church, but it's also for the nation of Israel. There were many prophecies throughout the scriptures that God would save the Jewish people. And in that day, the nation will be the Lord's. It will be the nation where he will rule and reign as king forever, and they will be his people. This is why the Day of Atonement matters. It's all about atonement. It's all about forgiveness and remission of all sins. And this is how each and every one of our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's interesting in the Day of Atonement that the Jewish people will wish one another to be inscribed in the book of life for the next year. Well, praise be to God, beloved friend. I've got to tell you, and I have the privilege of telling you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the day of atonement once for all, writes our names when we believe in him and are born again of the Spirit of God. Our names are written in his Lamb's book of life forever. Forever, forever. And beloved friend, 
in the end, the only thing that will matter is, is your name found there? If you read the book of Revelation, you will find out that the key element, especially if you do it in two to three days and you read it all the way through, don't get hung up on all the things that are mentioned there and imagery and different things, trying to understand all of that at first. Just read it in two to three days all the way through. And the one thing that comes through when, when you do that is this. There is only one thing that matters because in the end there are two groups of people. Those whose names are found written in the Lamb's Book of Life and those whose names are not. And if your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, your end will be eternally in the lake of fire that was created for the devil and his angels only. And it will be a life of torment eternally with no escape. But if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ and with his body in heaven in the very presence of the Almighty God forever. That is the only thing that matters in all of our life. And I pray you will make that choice today. Call upon Jesus. He fulfilled the Day of Atonement on your behalf. He wanted you to be saved. He cared enough about you that he died in your place. And he will save you if you will but ask him. If you will sincerely repent of your sins, stop going in a direction away from him. Stop living for yourself and for the world and for the devil. Turn and call upon him and he will receive you and he will apply his precious blood to atone for your sin. Not just for another year, but forever. Praise God for Jesus' atoning blood, fulfilling the feast of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, not just for Israel's sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And that includes you and me, beloved friend. I pray that these messages have been a blessing to you and that you can join us again for future messages brought to you through Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.